No suspects are in custody as the investigation at the scene continues. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. She isn't quite herself today. We all go a little mad sometimes. Whatever you do. Before dawn. Don't make your choice. Welcome back to Film Underdogs. This week we're going to be talking with Brandon Michael Scott. He's a local filmmaker. He's done some directing, writing, editing, a little bit of acting, pretty much everything that you can do with film. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you, sir. We know that you're really into Halloween and horror movies and everything. Where is it that you got your first bug for making movies? Was it just out of uh, love for Halloween, or where did that come from? So, you can ask my mom. (laughs) (laughs) The first movie I saw in theaters was Jurassic Park, and I was two. And ever since then, I've just been in love with film. Just everything about it. You know, I have immense respect for Spielberg. Actually, I wasn't really big into horror when I was a child because uh, my babysitters, they would watch, you know, the different Halloween movies, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and all that sorts of stuff. And, you know, my mom worked at uh, OHSU, and she worked late nights, so I'd be stuck at the babysitter's house, and, you know, one o'clock in the morning rolls around, and peeking through the afghan blanket i you know i distinctly remember this four years old and you know seeing freddie disembowel someone and you're just like i'm four you know just like terrified so a great story uh my best friend thomas i've known him for 20 years him and another good friend of ours gustavo they lived across the street and i went to stay over at their house and they rented bride of chucky Hmm. i think i was eight or nine he lived in this garage and we're sitting there watching the movie. And I think maybe 15 minutes into it, I was like, I can't do this guys. Turn it off, turn it off. And they're like making fun of me, you know, yeah. calling me names. And I went back to my parents' house. It's like midnight or something. And I knock on the door and my mom's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be seeing the night over there. Like, no, oh, they were watching this scary movie. Though I always had a fondness for gremlins. Yay. All right. Cause I mean, that is a, it's a terrifying movie when you think about it, especially since it's rated PG. And it's it's very violent, very gruesome. I would say around 10 or 11, after I realized that I laughed every time people died. I remember <laughs> watching Starship Troopers, and they all get, like, torn limb from limb and body parts flying everywhere. And I'm just sitting there cackling. And my mom's like, hmm, there might be something wrong with you. And that something wrong with me actually turned out to be my love for horror. And so, you know, I started delving into the classics, Evil Dead, um, 
great place to start. Uh, and then all those movies that terrified me as a child, you know, I was like, why, why do I have these lingering images? What are these? And why am I so drawn to them? And so I just went headfirst into it. I went to a little school called ACMA. Uh, it's Arts and Communication Magnet Academy. It's over in uh, Beaverton, but it's uh, obviously an art school. Uh, I went there for middle school. It was great because I was mentored by a bunch of older people because it was a middle through high school. So I would work with sophomores and juniors and seniors, and we'd make these short films. And you know, I was always like, I want to make one. I want to make one. And so I did. And, you know, I was, I was always making these short little horror films. And there's a long story about that. I wish I had all of that work. But my film teacher was envious of my technical prowess, as he called it. And so he decided that he was going to take the hard drive and delete all of that work. Yeah. Yeah. So got a bone to pick with you, Mr. Supak, if you're out there listening. You know, I, I got this great mentoring experience where, you know, all these people, ultimately they were trying to cultivate their visions, which understandable, but they were more than willing to, you know, oh, okay, this is how you do this, or this is how you do that. So I learned a lot from there. And then I went to a public school and you had to be a junior to even get into the film stuff. So I started doing theater. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to do theater then. So that was definitely some good experience. Yeah, after that, I dropped out of high school, got my GED, got a job. I'm a working man now. I'm 15. I think it was 2008 I started going to uh, Northwest Film Center on 10th and Salmon. This is something that I found a lot in the the Portland film community, and it's why I, I reach out to those people. You know, I was saying earlier, I'm, I get nervous about meeting new people. Well, the reason for that is I've met a lot of skepticism as a horror filmmaker because people are so dismissive of what you're trying to accomplish. They don't understand. You know, I've met a lot of people that they have good intentions, but I, honestly, I don't care. I want to make a documentary about, you know, the, the suffering children in Uganda. Like, I understand why you would want to do that, but just because you want to do that, you shouldn't diminish what I'm trying to accomplish. Because I think horror has a unique place in the pantheon of film, and you can make some crazy socio-political commentary and you can you know say something about the human experience that i think you can't in the other genres you just you can't look at night of the living dead that was at the culmination of the civil rights movement and the fact that the protagonist is black is still really important how many horror movies can you name off the top of your head where there's a black protagonist usually your first thought when it comes to black people in horror movies is they die first mm -hmm. Which is an unfortunate cliche of the genre. You know, we have those different cliches. You've got the final girl. And, and I'm more interested in, like, how can we subvert those cliches? and Or just ignore them entirely. Just say, you know what, I'm going to make the movie that I want to make. And, you know, maybe there's a cliche here, a cliche there. But who cares, ultimately, in the long run? Like, I just want to make what I want to make. That's kind of how I got my start. And I've been going to the film center off and on. Um going to PSU right now. Film is my major. A lot of my friends have helped out in various ways and they, they all have their own passions. So they're kind of like, eh, like, we'll help you, but we're, we don't really care that much. <laughs> so, and then I was like, okay, maybe I should branch out and really connect with people and, you know, find people that are like-minded. And like when we met that first time, I knew that, you, you know, we were on the same wavelength. <laughs> which, uh, we've got, you know, I remember recommending hatchet to you and you're like i'm gonna go check that out like right now <laughs> so that was infectious that was something i hadn't really experienced because i you know met so much 
reluctance and skepticism towards horror. So, yeah, for me, like, uh, it took me a while to build like a tolerance to horror films. Like growing up, I was like, Ugh, no, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate horror now. I mean, I'm I get creeped out and don't always look at the screen. Yeah, but um. I some of my favorite movies are horror films mm. like Insidious, like oh my god, James Wan, yay! Yeah, I have immense respect for him, and the fact that he went from horror to action so like seamlessly right. with Furious Seven was really impressive. Um, I would actually liken him to Spielberg in that sense. I believe in one goal as a filmmaker, and I think that unites all filmmakers, regardless if they're conscious of it. Your only goal as a filmmaker is to elicit an emotional response, catharsis. You know, you you have some kind of payoff. They react, right, in an emotional capacity. And it could be disgust. It could be, uh, you know, joy. It could be laughter. Whatever it may be, that's all your goal is. I really dislike the term torture porn. There's, like, this critical dismissiveness of of that genre. I'm like, it's not even a genre, honestly. And if you look at Postal and Saw... Postal has an, some interesting points about xenophobia that I find, you know, intellectually stimulating. Like, it's easier to just say, oh, well, that was disgusting. Well, too bad, because they still elicited an emotional response from you. They still got that disgust from you. So they succeeded. My thing on the torture porn kind of movies is it's not so much what's being done they want to show the minute details of a finger getting chopped off. Right. I don't mind blood, guts, and gore to a point, mm-hmm. but even though I am into makeup and I like the realism and stuff, right. I don't need to see the minutiae of right. veins sticking out and all the little tiny details that look just a little too real. That's where they get me. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, I liked Saw, and I liked... Uh, Hostel, but they went so graphic with it on the um, torture aspect and showing just too much detail for me. Right. That's what turned me off on them. Right. It wasn't even so much the uh, subject of it or anything. Mm-hmm. People being tortured. Okay, well, that's what it is. Right. But it was, I don't need to see the uh, level of HD blood, right. guts, and gore that right. are in some of those movies now. I think that's fair because there's a point to be made about horror fans. We grow desensitized. Well, you shouldn't grow desensitized while you're watching the movie. I think that is the biggest problem with that subgenre is that, you know, you see something horrific at the beginning of the movie and it just becomes more horrific to the point where you're just like, okay. (laughs) You know, it's just this, they've already set their precedent so high that you're like, yeah, it, it doesn't even bother me. But then it becomes an exhausting experience. The Saw sequels especially had devolved into this. How can we top ourselves now? You know, like, how else can we show someone being graphically mutilated? Though I will say, I really liked uh, Saw 3 and 6. 3, because I related to the dad, the main character is a father that's lost his son. Sorry, I'm not trying to spoil the movie. But I felt that that actor gave a committed emotional performance i lost my son and what length would you go to to feel justice of some capacity and then the sixth one they had an interesting commentary on the american health insurance companies because they kind of bleed us dry ha 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 (laughs) 
And, you know, it's interesting. The main character is a health insurance guy and he wrote this algorithm that determines, hey, hey, Mitch, you're not worthy of us covering you because of some something, right? And it removes the humanity of it. It's just, well, what's the best business proposition? Who's who's you're pitching yourselves basically unwittingly you don't even know you're just like i want health insurance and you're pitching yourself to them and you know what 30 questions do you smoke do you do this and you know they're determining basically whether you live or die and so i thought that was an interesting thing to touch on in that especially because he's got to make these decisions oh do you know who do i kill well, this person has their whole life ahead of them. This is my secretary that's 80 years old. And, you know, I thought that was an interesting moral quandary. In a way, that's kind of where they were going with all of them is who's more important than you. Yeah. Who's and and ultimately, the answer to that question in most of the movies was no one. It was all about you. And I think that is true. I mean, you put yourself in that situation and it's like, yeah, you'd like to think that you'd be the good Samaritan and you'd sacrifice yourself for somebody else. But more likely than not no you're probably just going to be selfish and like nope i'm living i just wanted to shout out to marcus dunstan who uh wrote saw three through seven uh we're friends on facebook he's a really cool guy talk to him he wrote the saw movies with his uh, writing partner patrick melton and they wrote the feast movies if you haven't seen those check those out they're kind of ridiculous but they're they're horror comedies they did uh revisions on pacific rim which is a great movie. Um, and then Marcus is actually directing the newest installment of Halloween and writing that with his partner. So shout out to you, Marcus. Have you seen uh, ABCs of Death? Yeah. The first one, uh, Tim League. If you don't know who Tim League is, he's the founder of uh, Alamo Draft House down in Texas, right? And then they've spread out to uh, some other states. But Basically, it's the coolest place in the world. They're film lovers, and they they every month or so they make commercials with various like film icons uh, about not texting while you're watching a movie. And so they'll do different themed ones. I'm sure there'll be a hilarious one this month. So he was a producer of the ABCs of Death, and um, his they said, "Here's five thousand dollars. Here's your letter. Make a movie." So for the second one, they said, no fart jokes. I don't know if you remember F is for fart, uh, but yeah, that was just ridiculous and not even fun to watch. But so, you know, Tim League, he said, uh, you know, hey guys, let's not make all the like juvenile jokes. Like, let's have some class and sophistication in this. So there's actually some interesting stuff that goes on in the second one i'll have to finish the first one yeah and then uh, watch the second one like it makes me think of vhs like i like the second vhs better with the cult yeah that was messed up have you seen the raid no no so it's this little indonesian action flick and you brought up that one it's called the safe haven was a shirt from vhs2 and uh gareth evans uh, he directed The Raid, which if you haven't seen The Raid and you want, you're like hankering for some of the coolest action you will ever see in your life, go check that movie out because it's this little Indonesian flick and they don't have the same rules that we do in Hollywood. And there are some phenomenal fight scenes that are just brutal. What positions do you like the best? I have been the director, editor, 
uh, writer, producer, assistant director, boom operator, camera operator, director of photography. That was the most recent gig I did was um, uh, there's a short film called I Dream, Therefore I Am. Uh, great guy, Brian Jefferson. Shout out. Sound mixer, special effects, visual effects, gaffer, production assistant. <laughs> Grip! There we go! <laughs> C-47s! Um, you know what those are, right? No. You don't know what C-47s are? No. Alright, everyone listening to this podcast, I am about to tell you the most important thing about filmmaking. C-47s. Clothespins. Mm. There is a bunch of random esoteric words that people use for things on sets. And I think it's just to confuse the noobs. I think that's honestly... I can't think of a good reason why these words are used for the things that they are. And then it throws you off. So, hey, any of these C-47s? Okay, what... what? Hey, so he asked me for C-47s. What are those? Oh, these clothespins? Really? And then, I need an apple box. Okay, so you're going around looking for something. You know what it is? It's literally an apple box. A, a little crate... And they use it for people to stand on. What? Why? Jerks. So, yeah. Anyways, you know, I write everything that I direct. And all, I, I love directing specifically because it's my vision. I don't say that from an egotistical standpoint. Maybe a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think everyone that's in film has a little bit of a egotistical bent. You know, some more than others. I'm not saying be Hitler on the set like Michael Bay, <laughs> according to Megan Fox, at least. You know, there there's something just extremely satisfying about working with a bunch of like-minded individuals, creative people, collaborating on, yeah, it is your vision, but ultimately everyone there is supporting you and your vision. And sometimes, you know, you, somebody says something that you would have never thought of. And it's that input. It's like, here's my original vision, and then it's molded into something unique by all the experiences of these other people that are working with you. It's the reason why film is the best art form and also the hardest. Because by default, sure, you could technically take a camera and run around by yourself and make a movie. But realistically, you are required to work with other people. Bands? Music? You know? Well, yeah, it's great to have other people, but you don't have to have other people. You just pick up a guitar and start playing and singing a song. Boom. You're a musician. You want to paint something? You don't need anyone else's help for that. Any of the other art forms, you can do solo. You want to be a photographer? Go take pictures of nature. You don't need anybody, but film requires you. That's why I like photography, actually, because yeah. you don't always need to have other people around. Mm -hmm. There's a luxury to that, but I think that's what makes film the most satisfying. It's the, the longest, most arduous process out of any of the art forms by a long shot, but it's also the most satisfying when it comes down to it, because when, when it culminates and it becomes that thing that you envisioned in some capacity, it's probably not what you originally envisioned entirely. I just got, you know, new things added to it. And that's really just, you, you sit there and you watch it and you, whoa. Three favorite horror movies. 
Probably my number one's got to be Halloween. Okay. It's like a perfect horror movie. Oh, yeah. Even now, I can sit down and watch that any any day. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Halloween. And I actually like the remake almost as much as I like the original. And it's blasphemy! Don't say that. People serious. are going to kill you. I actually really like the remake yeah. too. So shh. I need to finish. Well, it. I thought they the way they uh, changed things up a little bit. They made it work, mm-hmm. and. They're different movies, yeah. even though they're the same movie. They're different, right? And I liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like both of them are really good. So that whole set of movies, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of for me the number one. And then another old one, I think I've got to go with Freddy. Yeah, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Although I think that might be tied up with Jaws, although Jaws, depending on how you look at it, may or may not be a horror movie. But I consider it a horror movie. Yeah, it. I think those two are kind of tied in there because that's a good one. Exorcist. The original Exorcist, that's got to be, that's probably number three. I haven't seen it yet because growing up, her face creeped the hell out of me and... I don't know. It doesn't creep me out as much now, so I might attempt at it. I don't know. It just, the whole uh, possession aspect creeps me out. Like a little girl with like a deep voice and all that and creepy. I understand the appeal. Maybe I was just born too far away from its release date, but that movie bores me. (laughs) I fell asleep the first three times I tried watching it. And, you know, we don't have the satanic panic that we did in the 70s and 80s, so it just didn't ever really resonate with me. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, Max von Sydow, like, the cast of that movie is fantastic, and, like, it's well acted, it's well shot, there are some good practical effects, but it just never clicked with me. I just never... So when anyone, like, there's always that debate, the classic debate is, which movie is scarier, Alien or The Exorcist? I'm like, boom, hands down, Alien. That conversation's over. Don't get me started on The Exorcist. No, I'm just kidding. See, I like Alien. I like that series, but that's definitely not in my, like, top, probably even top ten. I'll go back to them once in a while, but they're not ones that I've got to see, you know? That's fair. Kind of the ones that I've listed off are the ones that, wherever I'm going to sit down and watch a horror movie and I want to watch something I've seen, it's, it's one of those. Yeah. Yep. Post-apocalyptic and space movies, other than like Star Wars, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of wide open spaces. But we were just talking about Jaws, man. That's on the water. Wide open space. No, <laughs> Jaws is not in a wide open space. No. Jaws is on the shoreline. Yeah. There's a difference. It's, it's on the edge. Actually. It's on the edge of a wide open space. Mm-hmm. But here's something you may know or you may not know about Jaws. It's based ah. on a true story. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of people don't know that. And I always thought it was uh, once I heard the story of the uh, actual event, I was like, because oddly enough, I was driving to the coast and listening to a random uh, book on tape that I'd picked up and didn't occur to me at the time, actually, because I was doing photography along the way, so I wasn't thinking I'm going to the coast. I'm just driving and stopping and doing photography. I'm listening to this story about a shark, 
and I'm getting closer and closer to the ocean. And then I get to the ocean. It's like, wait, this is Jaws. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm at the ocean. This is a bad combination. Yeah. But, I should not be here right now. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird kind of, uh, weird kind of thing because I was following a river all the way to the coast. So it, until I was like three quarters of the way there, I didn't even click on where I was headed. Mm-hmm. I was just headed somewhere doing photography, you know. I don't know if you know who the Asylum is. For those of you not in the know, the Asylum are, are the people that make Sharknado and all of those really terrible sci-fi original movies that you've seen for the last, you know, 20 years. I think they keep all of their budgets below like $750,000 for their movies. And I think Sharknado may be an exception because there's a lot of cameos. But um, so, yeah, they produce and they do those mockbusters. I don't know if you know know what those are. Like when Transformers came out, there was that movie called Transmorphers. Yes. When yeah. the I Am Legend came out, they they not only took the title of I Am Legend but Omega Man as well. And I was like, okay, they're kind of referencing Richard Matheson. Both of those adaptations, all right. So it was I Am Omega. Uh, they do a bunch of stuff. So Z Nation is their TV show, and it's it was originally just like written off as hey, it's the Walking Dead ripoff, and the the show is way more campy and way more fun than the Walking Dead. I'm not saying it's a better show by any means, but I've seen stuff on this show that I've never seen in any zombie fiction anywhere. There's radioactive zombies. There's like a post-apocalyptic saloon and you know then they have like a uh uh target practice with the zombies they have like a shooting challenge they're like hey you guys want a bigger gun well whoever wins this shooting contest gets a new gun and like weird campy funny things like that and it's actually and then the one of the characters has like zombie mind control never seen that before but he's like Oh yeah, I can repel zombies. So it's 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 a fun it's a funky show, but it's fun. It's too uh, gross for me. I I watched like maybe three episodes or maybe four. I appreciate it, but it's just too gross <laughs> for me. I, I don't can know. Understand that. But it's very creative. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was different aspects. I mean, Tom Everett Scott's in it. He's cool. Yeah. We started watching um, The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah slow pace. and. Even knowing some of that stuff is makeup, you still get caught up in it and you're mm-hmm. like, it can freak you out. And it's like, all right. It's good when they can actually take it beyond just being, well, this is really cool makeup. Right. You know? Well, I don't know if you've heard people just bemoaning since 28 Days Later came out in, what, 2002. Yeah. It's just been zombies constant. And you know what? People are always, mm, it's zombies, another zombie thing. I mean, I love The Walking Dead. Yep. Don't get me wrong. Um, but any genre, any subgenre, like, I get tired of people whining about it because ultimately somebody is going to bring something new to the table. All right, Steph. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the. Three favorite horror movies. Okay. Well, I think my favorite is Insidious. Okay. Because it's awesome. Just how they have that whole aspect of the further. Patrick Wilson is awesome. I love Patrick 
He's the best. I don't know. Like, it scares the hell out of me, but I love it. And then he's in the house, and you're like, oh, God! <laughs> I saw that movie for a first date with uh, Brianna Wallace. I'm calling you out. Um, <laughs> um, why don't you ever text me back? Yeah. The musical score is great. Joseph Bashara, uh, the guy that did the score for that movie, is also the lipstick face demon. The yeah. main demon. So that's pretty cool. The red-faced one. Okay. Darth Maul Jr. That's what I call him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, well, the creepy lady man person. Oh, yeah. Know, yeah. That is horrifying. And I, I know that was at the Universal thing. I think mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Did you like the second one? Not really, because they... Really? Well, I did, but I just... I like the mystery. I, I yeah, like most people explained. did, but I thought the way that they explained it was actually pretty intriguing how they tied it back into yeah. the, the different things. And there was that little confusing, in a good sense, uh plot development with the time travel stuff yeah. that's not really time travel no spoilers <laughs> yeah. i mean i didn't hate it it was yeah. more like everything is explained mm-hmm. Ew, i like mystery yeah i love the conjuring but i don't know i just love it I love that scene so yes much. have you seen it no oh, oh God. it's like it's just 400 movies by the way so if mm-hmm. you ever want to just like sit down and watch a bunch of movies i've I'm probably guy. got uh I'm just talking about Blu-rays I've, only, and they're almost all horror movies. Thanks. <laughs> I've probably got close to that many, yeah. but they're not all one genre. Yeah. You know, as much as you are horror, I'm kind of a generalist, yeah. you know? There's no I, have, I mean, I watch other movies, I swear, guys. Yeah. <laughs> just not often. Yeah. You know, I have quite a variety, and I'm not totally into horror, but I do like horror whenever it comes yeah. around. But The uh, Conjuring... There are certain movies that touch on certain subjects that I just, uh, I haven't done yet. And then you've got, like, the Babadook. That ain't gonna happen. I need to we watch, watch it. About... Babadook, duk, duk. Yeah. I need to watch it. <laughs> I love We that watched movie. maybe 40 minutes of that, and I was done. <laughs> Needed to do something else, so. Mm. Well, The Conjuring, <laughs> just the whole aspect of it being the 70s. Yeah, they nailed the period setting with that yes. movie. And it was just, like, the whole effect of, like, one thing after another just got it got more elaborate and more horrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then the dad was gone all the time. Whatever, dad. <laughs> I mean, oh, and, like, I got so into it that I was like, oh, man, like, uh, Lorraine and Ed Warren, they are awesome. And, like, she's still alive, mm-hmm. and she still has, like... Uh, I think it's, like, once a year, people can come to her house, and she'll, like, do a seance, or I forgot what it was, but (laughs) I don't know. She, like, pretty much, yeah, has people come there, and I didn't even know she was involved with the Amityville Horror. Like, that's awesome. Or they both were, I think. Mm -hmm. I just want to, like, know more. They were supposed to do more movies. Juan just started shooting the second one. It's called uh, The Enfield Poltergeist. Oh, God. I'm so excited. Yeah. I just, I mean, again, Patrick Wilson. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I don't know if I can watch it again in a million years. <laughs> and again, close my eyes because that's me. Uh, Sinister. <sighs> I love Sinister. Like it, all the deaths were so creatively done. I really enjoyed the it. Like scene. yes, and well, the drowning. Have you seen it? No, the drowning, the drowning was, was very creative. Right. Oh my gosh! Like I feel like I guess I don't have to feel like I'm gonna be judged because <laughs> I was like I'm gonna be sick coming off as really sick or something, saying like this is so cool how they mm-hmm. died, but it was. Sorry, I know. I'm just always like behind the scenes. The director, uh, Scott Derrickson, 
and then the writer C. Robert Cargill, who wrote for Anik Cool for a number of years, and may still write for them. I don't remember. Scott Derrickson is directing Doctor Strange, though, but he also did Exorcism of Emily Rose. And uh, anyways, they decided that it would be a good idea to shoot those home movies on 16 millimeter, or may have even been eight millimeter. I'm not sure, but uh, that that lends something. You know, whenever I hear the film versus digital argument, like, I look at that movie and it's both, I think. It might be 35 millimeter and 16, but they shot all the home movies, you know, on film stock, and it gives it this weird, like, you feel like a voyeur. You're watching these people die in, like, in a really intimate way, and, like, the aesthetic of it is very visceral, and, like, you're just... you're it made me uncomfortable and yeah. honestly that doesn't happen I, often so i i appreciate that movie a lot yeah. and there are some good jumps like i'm not a huge fan of jump scares but if yeah. they're played right they're played right like when he looks at the laptop uh, and you, boom uh, oh god <laughs> i mean there are some parts where you think something's gonna happen i love they, that like, too where they, they take like, have a wide shot and it's like the two characters talking and it's like is something gonna be walking right there or something mm-hmm. Something? No. Yeah, that anticipation is yeah. one of my favorite things about horror movies. Sitting in that dark theater, just something's going to happen. And then, payoff or not? And I love when you you think it's going to be payoff, and then no, and then you sigh that breath of relief, and then boom! <laughs> Alright, okay. so... You're Brandon. I'll, I'll run down mine. Yours. So, I, I, I'm going to have a disclaimer, because obviously there are some unassailable classics of the genre, and so... The reason why I'm single, <laughs> this is related to horror, okay? I'm not talking about my sex life, which is also horror, but it's because my apartment, you walk into my apartment, these are the posters on the wall. You got Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead Remake, Halloween, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. If you don't like it, well, I don't like you. Uh, just kidding. Uh, they Live, The Thing... Maniac, which the poster of that, and that's the reason why I'm single, specifically that poster, is a guy holding a decapitated woman's head, and he's got a knife with blood on it. And that Tom Savini did the makeup effects for that movie, which if you haven't seen, see it. I recommended it to Steph and Mitch here the other day. Um, there's a one of the best shotgun blast to the face that you will ever see and the funny thing about it is that tom savini the makeup artist is the character getting his head blown off so that must have been a trip for him um and then uh holliston tv show about that poster in my kitchen and then trick or treat which if you haven't seen yeah is basically the only halloween anthology film you ever need to see it's got anna paquin or however you pronounce her name and Dylan Baker, a bunch of other great people, and they're making a sequel. And then there's Krampus, which is coming out this year. Yeah, uh, that's by the same guy that did uh, Trick or Treat, Michael Doherty. And he also wrote X-Men 2, so he's got some genre cred there. Um, Anyways, I feel like I'm missing a poster. Well, it's not horror, but it's Escape from New York. So if you can't tell, I kind of got a thing for John Carpenter. He's my favorite director. So to me, those movies are untouchable. Those are some of my favorites. There's probably a few others, like Alien mentioned. Um, um, uh, crap, what can I think? In the Mouth of Madness, also a Carpenter movie. Uh, 
I just want to get those ones out of the way so I can mm-hmm. talk about some of the stuff that flies under the radar. I think that's the more stuff that needs to be on podcast, you know. Uh, obviously, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Guy dressed up as Santa Claus kills a bunch of people. <laughs> it's uh, there's not. I just saw that at the Hollywood Theater actually oh, last oh, year. Oh, it, yeah. it was great. I have the movie. I just haven't pulled the trigger to watch. Oh, it it's good. It's good. It's a, it's actually pretty messed up and the remake i'm forgetting his name and i'm i apologize steven c miller i'm pretty sure that's his name he did uh uh automaton transfusion i think was the name of the movie um it was really low budget he did it when he was like 18 or 19 something like that something ridiculous and he made a full-length movie that is steven c miller but uh he directed a remake of silent night and it's actually really good there's a great scene where chick gets trapped into a wood chipper <laughs> <laughs> i laughed of course <laughs> i'm sure everyone in the theater was like what by the way i just saw the green inferno oh my gosh how was it uh so i i brought two pints of beer and two box wines so whatever how many ounces that is probably two glasses for each one and I laughed my butt off, like, the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure I was the only person laughing, because, like, people are getting dismembered, disemboweled, their heads chopped off, limbs flying everywhere, Wasn't it like buckets animals? of floor. Yeah, yeah, people getting eaten, and I'm just sitting there, like... <laughs> so I'm pretty sure people were just like, this guy is insane. This guy is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> Okay, speaking of movies you just watched, did you go and see The Visit? We missed it. I've heard mixed things, oh, okay. so I'm like, I'm going to form my own opinion. Looks, it makes it look awesome. Yeah, it looks like fun. Yeah. Here's a tip for you, though. Take the time, go over to Oregon City to the Hilltop Theater over there. Yeah. Each chair is like a recliner, and they're wider. Yeah. You've got cup holders and an armrest on each chair. Have you been to Cinetopia? Yeah. Yeah. Except... <laughs> Over at Hilltop, you're yeah. not paying Cinetopia prices. Yeah. You're paying eight bucks or whatever to get yeah. in, just like a normal movie theater. And you don't have to deal with paying the extra, mm-hmm. none of that. It's just same price, just yeah. much cooler, you know? So, Oregon City Hilltop, I good place. Check that out. And that part I may actually go ahead and leave in yeah. the podcast. I'll give them a plug. I went to uh, <laughs> Cinema 21 uh, over on 21st Avenue, you know get some beer it's not terribly expensive and Is that important? yeah okay. and it you know they play like more independent art house so you you'll get some of the the festival circuit horror films on there that you probably aren't going to see for another you know six months to a year on video on demand or okay. something um but i saw cooties there which oh, right. that, that movie right, was that phenomenal uh, uh i use that word a lot all right so done with the plugs for the movies that I love. I think I'm probably gonna think of like 20 other ones. So, well, that's all right. You'll be back on. We can <laughs> um, the top three would be uh, probably The Signal, which I believe is on Netflix. Uh, so the gist of that movie is it's three little vignettes, and they're all set in this weird. I guess I guess it's post-apocalyptic, but. Every, every electronic device is emitting this weird signal and it's driving everyone nuts. They're going crazy. People are murdering each other in the streets. David Bruckner was one of the directors and he's actually directing the newest Friday the 13th. Um, 
the other two guys are doing other things. One of them did that MTV My Psycho Sweet 16. It was like a horror made-for-TV movie. I never saw it. But anyways, um, so th- th- what's great about it is they're all different, each little short. The first one is like, like very much horror, and the second one just dive straight into black comedy and it is hilarious and then the third one becomes this like weird sci-fi head trip and these guys made this movie for thirty thousand dollars and it is very very polished and like i i you know back when it came out which was in 2007 like i didn't know anything about it i went picked up the dvd watched it and that that movie was on loop every time somebody came into the house Guys, we gotta you gotta see this movie. You gotta see this movie. I love movies like that. And I love that, you know, when you're like infecting people with love for the genre. Because you know, most of my friends are like, Yeah, you know, I'll watch a horror movie here and there. So I, I got them really into that. And uh so that movie very good, highly recommended. Since I was talking about like underrated, under the radar stuff, I just wanna say that the ring is actually a really, really well made movie. I guess I'll go with Adam Green. Frozen. Frozen isn't really... No, not the Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Still haven't seen that. have no desire to. It's hard to qualify it as a horror movie, but since it's Adam and he's very into horror, I'm going to go with Frozen because it's a really effective movie. It's about these three uh, like college-age students. You know, like they're, They were in Colorado and they're going skiing. And uh, their buddy hooks them up like, hey, man, like I can totally get you on this ski lift. And, you know... But you gotta go after hours, and so you know they do. And then this terrible storm comes in, so they're all stranded on a ski lift. And you're like, what are they gonna do with this concept? Like that's a you know ten minute short film, and like they find really intriguing ways to keep it going, and the tension just high stakes because um, the logistics of that shoot were a nightmare shooting, and you know that kind of weather, and you got people high up just hanging out there, and um, and then the wolves. <laughs> they I, they used real real wolves so um and you know that all of his movies are you know he owns his own company airy scope and they're you know he funds his movies himself basically so that they're not large budgets so um yeah so frozen and then um one i've got to mention real quick while you're thinking about your next one is the Hatchet series. Oh yeah, I actually I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed watching all three of those. There are other horror movies I like better. Yeah, and they're, they're very so gory. Yeah. but they're they're fun and gleefully twisted, as I like to yeah, say. Yeah, they're just messed up. And wherever <laughs> you start watching one to the next, especially if you watch them back to back, you can start seeing some inside stuff going yeah. on there. And uh, and Adam is in all of the movies in one scene or another. He's the guy that's puking. That's where mm-hmm. the, the beads on the ground. And I liked him in the last one when he's in the jail cell. Yeah, and they're talking about. Uh, they're talking to the woman who escaped, and the officer is going. Are you trying to tell me that? You escaped all of this, and, and then you, you turned around and you <laughs> went back in. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it pans over and you see uh, you know Adam's face. O- you know who that officer is, though, right? Who is that? Zap Galligan, the main character from Gremlins. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little genre knowledge oh, there. 
So yeah, Movie Crypt is a podcast that's about two hours, um, and it's by Adam Green and Joe Lynch. Adam Green is the director of Hatchet and Hatchet 2, Frozen, Spiral, which was filmed in Portland, Oregon. Um, they also both write and direct um, Holliston, which was a TV show that used to be on FearNet before FearNet was unfortunately canceled. My tattoo is actually of the Holliston logo. Um, anyway, so they are both working writers and directors. Joe just did uh, Everly with Salma Hayek. And uh, he had the Knights of Badassdom, and then they took that movie out of his hands and just butchered it. And he—he—you'll hear some great stories from him about that on the podcast. Uh, and then he also did uh, Wrong Turn Two, which was actually a really awesome movie. And if you know who Henry Ro- Rollins is, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the main character. Anyways, so I've actually seen the first Wrong Turn. I don't think I've seen the second. The one. second one's so better. Watch it. It's good. Um, so. Basically, like their whole philosophy about their podcast is, you know, they're they're both horror filmmakers. They're Holliston is a horror sitcom. That's their TV show. It's very horror infused. There's a bunch of genre vets that are on the show, and it's fun seeing all the different people and like seeing who they really are because you know they're not playing characters; they're playing themselves basically. And like a horror sitcom is that kind of like too many cooks? No, no. It is funny, um, but uh, anyway, so th- their goal was not to just have, hey, we got Robert England on the podcast, we got Tony Todd, we got Kane Hodder, you know, all the, like, you know, the people you would expect to be on there, but they actually go, they get down and dirty with, you know, here's a first assistant director, here's an editor, here's a boom operator, they interview all these different people and they just talk shop. And, you know, they have viewer mail and they do all sorts of different little segments. And one of their podcasts was actually, the whole podcast was a review of, no, a commentary of, uh, I think it was Friday the 13th Part Mm. 2. It may have been 4. But, so they're just talking about their love for this movie because, you know, they grew up in the 80s. So uh, They also did Gremlins and mm -hmm. um, Jaws. There's a, a couple other ones the that revenge. I can't. Even... Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> did that pause every time. It was a little annoying. That's all right. Actually, the Movie Crypt podcast is part of what um, finally pushed me over the edge to make a podcast mm-hmm. because I'd been wanting to do one for You're a welcome. while. I did recommend that. I remember that. <laughs> I'd been wanting to do a podcast for a while and hadn't come up with a solid idea on what I wanted. And then once we really started sitting down and talking about working in movies, started coming up with film ideas that we wanted to do, you know, it occurred to me, you know, there's going to be a great way of uh, meeting people and finding out more information is to do the podcast about movies and how to make them and that kind of thing. And so far I've gotten to interview quite a few interesting people because of it. And you know, I can just see this going on and becoming something hopefully bigger than just 40 listeners that we have mm-hmm. right now. But, hey, we love all you listeners out there. <laughs> you you know, I awesome. Know, <laughs> we've got listeners in all kinds of countries. we got China, um, Australia, Netherlands. Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, someone listened to all of them in the Netherlands. Thank you. Appreciate that. Quite a few other uh, countries that we never would have expected. Yeah. You know, and so this... 
actually is going out to more people in different places than what I ever would have expected. Mm -hmm. uh, Germany, Canada, Croatia. Um, I can't remember the rest of them. Yeah. Sorry, guys, but I did see that you guys were listening and appreciate it. The movie crypt is what I kind of am wanting to base the interviews off yeah. of because I do want it to feel a little bit more conversational like this right. one has been rather, rather than, than Q &A I have a question, mm -hmm. right. you have an answer. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I wanted to come physically here and yeah. like be because yeah, it's like fifteen miles away from my house, but it's, right. or, it's more like thirty, but it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's also conversational, and yeah. I love it because like it's like Hardwick. it's just fun because I'm like kind of a nerd, but not right. full on nerd. So it's like it's fitting for me. I don't yeah. know. And he like in the interview, like people from all aspects of mm -hmm. life, and it's pretty cool. I think that's what's yeah, what I really like about. Uh, the movie crypt specifically is uh, they're one they're really charismatic guys they're funny they're fun to talk to they're definitely r-rated um <laughs> just uh, keep that in mind for you young folks out there but uh the, i mean they talk shop you know they can get pretty technical but the, the thing that they highlight and what i love the most about it is that you're listening to people that have struggled that are very, very passionate about what they do. And, you know, you listen to that. That's your litmus test right there. You listen to that story that somebody tells you. Darren Lynn Bowsman has a really great story. He was the director of Saw 2, 3, and 4 and also did uh, uh, The Devil's Carnival and Repo, the genetic opera. Um, but, uh, you know, he tells you going through the studio system because the, those, the, the Saw movies had these really truncated shooting schedules. You're basically making a movie in nine months or less with very little pre-production time. And you're just going, you know, boom, boom, boom. And he did three of them in a row. So he's c committing and he was like barely older than I am. And, you know, you hear his stories from when he went to Full Sail University in Florida. And then the actual aspect of shooting and, you know, having these very minuscule budgets and trying to figure out these elaborate death scenes and just the struggle of that but you know you you also hear how passionate it is he is about that but you listen to that and you go i can do that i can deal with that then you know this is for you you're in the right industry if you go god no and the 48 hour and the 72 hour greg no fest so we're about to do you guys be excited um you know that that's a really great way of knowing like yeah this is this i you you know if you have the bug or not <laughs> yeah, I really had a lot of fun on the uh, 48 hours, so yeah. I'm looking forward to the 72 hour, and especially oh, yeah. since it's horror based, yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun to actually get to play a little bit more. And, you know, I've actually got a few things prepared just in case, you know, and so it'll be fun to see where we take it and, you know, which direction and how yeah. bloody and gory and whatever it's oh, going to yeah. get. I'll give you guys a teaser for whatever next episode that I am on. Uh, the last time I did this short film festival, Gwignol Fest, thank you, Dylan Hillerman, was in 2013, and I ended up in the hospital because of that shoot. So I'll tell you guys that story next time. <laughs> okay, this one's kind of cheating because it's going to be two movies because I love... It's Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett. Simon, I love you. Um, so they did Your Next and The Guest. Okay. Uh, those are both on Netflix, I believe. Uh, they did an AMA, a Reddit AMA, 
that ask me anything for those people that I don't know um, about those movies. Your next is awesome. Um, it's you know throwback '80s style uh, home invasion flick, and you've got a bunch of indie horror directors uh, and Ty West, Joe Swanberg, a few other people, and then a bunch of genre vets, and it's so so much fun. And the the main chick, Sharni Vincent, I think. She kicks so much butt. Yeah, it's it's really good. And then the guest, just it's like this total John Carpenter type. Like you, you know, if you watched it removed from any context, you'd be like, yeah, I could see that being in Carpenter's filmography. It's just awesome, kick butt action, fantastic synth core, uh, score, great actors, uh, plays against your expectations. Uh, Simon Barrett, the writer of both of those movies, actually they did that AMA and I talked to him for a good while and he talked to me even after they wrapped it up and you know I was like look I'm really passionate about this but like I can't move to a different state to pursue this because I have a kid I have a two-year-old son so it's hard to just I can't just pack up and leave you know so I you know I asked him for advice and we talked about a bunch of different things and it was really cool and so Simon Barrett you're an awesome human being and I wish you the greatest success so yeah those are the movies Okay, so I think we're going to wrap it up there. Brandon will be back after the 72-hour Wignall Fest. That's going to be a 72-hour movie that we're going to be doing together. Oh man, let's talk about films. So, Housebound, it's about a woman who is into a life of crime, and they call it minor things wherever you actually read it, but these are pretty major. I mean, they're ripping an ATM off and uh, evading the police and all kinds of things. It's not quite minor, but the uh, judge sentenced her to house arrest with her mother. Seven months on house arrest, and she had spent most of her life trying to avoid her mother. She didn't like the house, didn't like any of the situation. As she gets back into the house, There's all kinds of strange noises, bumps in the night, there's things that go missing, all these kind of things that start happening that leads everyone down the road of, well, the house is haunted. So it's basically her story of dealing with being in the house that she hates and finding out things about the house that have happened, and then... Basically trying to suss out the story of what happened to the people in the house that lived there before them. And then, of course, it has a couple of really cool twists at the end that we're not going to get into. Because if you haven't seen it, we don't want to spoil that. But So the lead actress, she plays Kylie Bucknell. Um, the actress is Morgan O'Reilly. I thought she did a really good job. There were, to me, a few times when... She seemed more like a spoiled brat than she needed to, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure that was a character choice. I think she was just pissed off at the world. Yeah, she's definitely a misanthrope, that's for sure. Yeah. I've got to say, she has some of the best facial expressions to some of the stuff that happens in that movie. She just makes this perfect face that just can't help but laugh. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Rimite Wiata played her mother, Miriam. It also has Glenn Paul Waru, Ross Harper as Graham, Cameron Rhodes played Dennis, and Ryan Lamp played Eugene. What did you guys think of the movie? Okay, I guess I kind of liked it. Okay, I just it was just more of 
going into it, I was like, oh man, I have to go to bed after this. No, it's going to be scary. No, thank you. Okay, I'll do it. And it wasn't really that scary to me. <laughs> uh, so you were disappointed. Because you were building up that anticipation yes. of, I'm going to deal with this horror movie yeah. before I go to bed. Yeah. Watch me. I'm a proud, strong, independent woman. And yeah. then you were like, oh, actually, this movie's pretty funny. Yeah. Like, one part that sticks out is when she's, like, peeing and she, like, stops to listen. And then goes again, yeah. <laughs> like, on command. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things I really liked about the movie was they have some pretty good horror, the tense scenes, and then they totally play the comedy in there, mm. and it really worked. Now, when Casey and I were watching the movie, we ended up, due to shortage of time, having to stop in the middle of the movie and restart it later. Where we stopped the movie at happened to be just before one of the major plot twists. So it's going in one direction all the way up to this. And then when we picked it up later, mind you, we went to bed right after that. So you're a little confused. Confused, and it's got that ghost thing going on, and we live in an older house, so it's not... You know, it's not exactly quiet in here. There's always creaks and bumps and whatever, and that's just normal for the house. But you notice it a little more when you're already in that mindset. Mm -hmm. And then when we picked it up after that, it takes a total left turn, and you're like, oh. And then it gets creepier Mm -hmm. than before, and it's like, okay, you know. I really appreciated the way they did that. And they take you into a couple different directions, just boom, 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 and you're like, wait, okay, there's where it is, you know? And it ends as pretty much a classic... Don't ruin it. (laughs) It ends in a classic way. Let's just leave it at that. That was a really great way. I love that ending. I had heard about the movie, I want to say it premiered at Fantastic Fest or one of the genre film festivals last year, and, uh, you know, I heard amazing things about it, so I was trying to temper expectations, and I was just like, I really want to see this movie, and when I I saw the poster for the first time, so if you didn't know what it was about, and what the tone is that they're trying to strike, well, it's pretty, there's a dead giveaway on the poster, not about a plot twist, but the tone of the movie, and that's the title. Housebound, right? Now, if you look at the font, it's almost exactly the same as the classic 1987 movie House with William Catt, which is one of my favorite movies. It may have been 86. And I love that movie. If you've never seen House, go out there and watch House. Or watch Housebound. Or watch both. But, you know, so I knew what I was in for, that they were kind of going to play the comedy aspects. And what I love about the movie, what you already kind of touched upon, Mitch, was that yeah, we were talking about jump scares. They build up those moments of tension that we were talking about, and then you're waiting for it, and you're waiting for it, and you've got that anticipation, that suspense, and it's coming for you, and you know it, and it's coming, and then boom, they play it for a laugh. And that just makes the laugh even funnier, you know, because you're sitting there laughing at yourself now, too, because you're like, what was I so scared for? And then boom, horror beat right after that. You're not even finished laughing. And yeah, I loved that that aspect of it. And then there's a lot of energy. You gotta give credit to Gerard uh, Johnstone, I believe is the director's name. It reminded me of uh, Evil Dead. You know, it seemed like, I want to say their budget was like 500000 for this movie. 
and Evil Dead was 350,000, and that was back in, you know, 79 when they originally shot it, it wasn't released till 81, but, um... That was a pretty good budget for back then. Yeah, you know, they talk bad. about it low, being so low budget, but then you think about it, and then inflation and stuff, like, these guys were on a seriously low budget for Housebound, and... Uh, there's just a lot of, like, it's got that manic Sam Raimi energy going on, you know, there's a lot of camera movement, a lot of great blocking, and there's just a sense of fun, it's palpable, you know, you feel it, and like, I watched it with my roommate, unfortunately, you know, on on demand, uh, I, as soon as I saw that it was coming to on demand, I was like, renting it, renting, I don't care if it's six bucks, and then like, a month later, it was on Netflix, and I was like, I don't even regret it, man, I ain't even mad, bro, um, but, uh, yeah, that's one that I actually will probably buy. Yeah. It's one of the few movies that's made it onto my uh, favorite list. Mm-hmm. Although I think a couple of them that we've watched that I hadn't seen before that we've done for this has made it onto the favorite list. Yeah. But... My recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually. I love uh, the security guard. The guy that's sent to monitor her because yeah. she's got the ankle bracelet and everything and how they use that as a plot point you know she like she can only go so far it's kind of hard to investigate your neighbors that you're thinking may or may not have done something malicious towards the people that lived in your house <laughs> when you can't really go out of your house yeah. <laughs> but yeah that security guard he's total comic relief and he, you know he's so he's sent to investigate her and it's so funny how She's like, I think this house is haunted. And then he gets excited. Yeah. He's like visibly excited. And he's like, just by chance, I happen to be an amateur paranormal investigator. Yeah, I thought that was a little... Uh... I thought it was funny. the way they, <laughs> it, was, it, it was total it was plot convenience. Right? But the way they yeah. played it, I thought was pretty funny. Like, you know, he's pretending to be a security guard. And he doesn't really care. And, you know, he's just kind of like acting tough. And then she mentions that. And then he's like giddy ooh whoopee ghosts you know and then it <laughs> by chance happens to have the equipment necessary one thing that I really liked about it was the and this is just a small aspect of it but I really liked the fact that it wasn't filmed here in America it had a different accent to it which I didn't know what the accent yeah. was specifically but I really liked that different accent and it gave kind of a different feel there were they used words a little bit differently i just liked that whole experience of something that was just a little bit different and then throw in some humor on top of it although to me a couple of times it was hard to understand what they were saying yeah. because the accent is so thick but i enjoyed that aspect of it i really liked the sound of the movie mm-hmm. from the way they're talking you know so yeah. That was kind of a nice little change. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy the teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, you know, it's all practical effects. It's all practical effects. And, I mean, it's not crazy. Like like, like I just mentioned, the budget. So you got to go in there with... You, you, it's not a complete bloodbath. I mean, there's some gore here and there. But it's not super insane blood. No, um, I think there's only... There's only a few instances. Maybe really. three scenes that are gory one is overly gory mm-hmm. but the Most others like are laughs. <laughs> well yeah the other ones there's one that's kind of intense uh the leg mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know that was a little intense like ooh, that although what i noticed and this isn't meant to kind of take away from it but there's a stab and it looked to me like 
the knife should have gone deeper from where it was stabbing. Yeah. And it looked like, okay, well, there's something solid. It's a block right, right. there. It only goes in like a right. eighth of an inch or so. And it's like, no, that's not quite accurate. Right. But Safety first. That part of it just kind of took me personally out right. for a millisecond. But then when you're looking at the overall and the twist and it's like, uh, ow, don't do that. You know, yeah. that that's not needed. I thought they played down the gore. They could have gone a lot gorier than what they did, and they played that down quite a bit. I think it worked, though. I think it really worked. Yeah. They could it didn't have gone need too... to be an unnecessary bloodbath. You know? Yeah, not on this one. No. And, you know, I think that's a key thing that, you know, especially in this genre, that you have to learn is restraint, because I go maniacal. You know, I got a great video of me testing out my squib that I made out of an insecticide sprayer, and I'm just spraying blood all over my house, and I'm just <laughs> laughing maniacally, and my roommate's just sitting there watching through the sliding glass door as I'm, like, cackling to myself like the Joker, spraying blood everywhere. But anyways, uh, to Housebound. You know, I really liked that they used her distance from her mother, because you're not really sure why. Yeah. She just seems like she's just angry at everything and everyone. She's a miscreant, you know, and she... She's troublemaker, and she hates the world, and she feels like the world hates her right back. But you never see that from her mom. She, like, tramples all over her mother. Every ounce of goodwill that her mother throws at her, she just takes it and twists it and turns it into something vile. And, you know, like, there's that when she was eating the cereal, like, watching TV, and she's just like, I'm going to sit here and eat all the cereal. And it's like, I brought you dinner. Don't care. You know, it reminds me of that rebellious teenage stage that we all go through where of course you need your parents when you're a kid and then there's that part where you're like I want to be an adult, I hate you I'm going to leave, and then you move out and then you realize, I wish my parents were still around. It's an effective emotional foundation though There were a few scenes with the father that were really uncomfortable well, I think it was father. a yeah, stepfather yeah. but uh, with but Graham about her too. Oh, I liked his character though, yeah. I thought he was so sweet yeah, he was just trying... You could see that that's all he was ever trying to do. Is just, like, he wanted to be accepted as not her father, at least something close. Yeah. Right, and I think that's why those scenes were really uncomfortable to me. Was because it's like, stop being a brat mm. and, I don't know... Treat some gr- people with some respect. Grow up a little bit. But, that know? I mean, that is her arc. That is yeah. her character arc. And that because they set that foundation so well, I think that arc pays off really well. I mean, she learns the importance of family. And, you know, sure, it's cliche or whatever. I mean, duh. Every story's been told in some capacity. We've all already learned these morals. But, you know, they brought something new to the table, and I thought that was a good, you know, especially for a horror movie. I'm surprised uh, with a makeup person you weren't like. I just didn't like that one dude's makeup. The last character. Introduced. Yeah, I didn't like it. I just felt like it was. It just. He um, it looked. It looked. Yeah, I didn't. It, like, it didn't looked look like a cross between the rat character off of Harry Potter and the. I can't think of his name. The taller of the two Daniel bad Stone. guys off Daniel of Stone. Home um, Alone. Home Alone. Yes. Okay. Okay, it looked like a combination of those two makeups, and it it was overdone to me. Yeah, was it meant Would, to be? I think I it. Think so. Okay. I I think so. Not want to go into too much detail yeah, on that one because it's kind yeah, of a yeah, twist. I, know, but, I, yeah. I didn't want to. Yeah, I know. 
In that situation, I don't think he would have that particular look. No. He, it would... I mean, ultimately, though, that's a pretty but... minor complaint. I mean, I understand oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, know. <laughs> I mean, they probably could have done something crazy inventive, but like we, I mentioned, the budget, and as well as just... Oh, yeah. It to me it fit the tone. Yeah, it was kind of goofy. Okay, and the, I thought the whole movie was kind of goofy, but in yeah. a good sense. I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, but I mean it's a good point to bring up. I mean, you know, I, think in a I would have done movie, it differently in a different movie. That wouldn't have worked at all. No, it wouldn't have been acceptable. In this one, straight horror that wouldn't have worked at all. In yeah. this particular one, and I. For other reasons, I think that his character was uh, meant as not quite a comedy relief, but leaning in that direction. It needed something a little bit goofy, otherwise it could have been it could have been really creepy and just wrong. Yeah. And so I think well, that's played that character for empathy. Yeah, they, like... if you would have had a different makeup on that character in that scene you wouldn't have got the empathy from yeah, it. It would have been something a totally yeah. different emotion. He's supposed to be kind of dopey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right? Like, that, that, I get that was it. My, my takeaway from it, too. I think yeah. it was just the part of me of, like, I want it to be scarier, and right. I was, but now it's like, oh, yeah, okay, duh, you're right. Yeah. Okay, so one to five stars. What would you give him, Brandon? Four and a half. I give it a recommendation. Glowing recommendation. Four and a half stars from you. What would you give it, Stephanie? I think I have to rewatch it to like get a better perspective. Solidify your <laughs> But <opinions>. sure, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably like three. Three, yeah. I think I got to go probably four, four and a half, somewhere right in there. I really liked it. There were a few things that I thought could have been done better, but overall, I think it was a pretty solid movie, and it's definitely one that I'll be watching again. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're in agreement there. It's always good when everyone has a similar... I mean, of course, differences are good as well, but... Yeah. Especially in this genre when there are so many movies that fly under the radar when you hear from people that you trust and or just enjoy and like, you know, they all are in agreement that, hey, you know, this is a pretty good movie. You should watch this. You should devote your time. So, good job, Gerard Johnstone, for the film Housebound. Hey. Okay, so that wraps it up for this episode of Film Underdogs. Uh, The next movie we're going to be watching is Troll Hunter. We'll be talking about that movie. It's a uh, found footage movie about a uh, group of uh, college kids doing a uh, uh, documentary on a poacher. And, of course, they run across a troll hunter instead. And so it's their experience and... So it'll be uh, fun to talk about that one as well. And do you have a uh, website you want to uh, give out to people or Facebook? Uh, Yeah, anyone, look up Brandon Michael Scott. Feel free to add me on Facebook. Um, You know, whatever you're interested in, I'm always looking for new people to collaborate with. Uh, I'm always down to talk shop and just, you know, share the war stories. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at 31st Reaper. The 3-1-ST Reaper. I don't really use it that much, but that's going to change soon. And I'm also working on my website right now. So I've been working too much, so I haven't had as much time as I'd like to do that. 
Um, and then also, look forward, uh, Stephanie and Mitch and I are going to be making a short horror film at the end of this month. So we will have that online as soon as we can, and I look forward to all of you enjoying that. Once again, I'm Brandon Michael Scott. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Mitch and Stephanie, for having me on the show. I've had a very good time. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Thanks for uh, coming on and spending a while with us talking. Yeah. I'll be back soon, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry. (laughs) Hey, listeners, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Film Underdogs, or go on to our Facebook page, Film Underdogs. Be sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher, Beyond Pod, whatever podcast player you use, we'll be there. Always remember to follow your dreams and stay inspired. Har jeg sett uh, troll sprekker også?